And I'll never forget, Dr. King said, tomorrow can be better than today, but it will take you to make it that way. He was empowering the children to believe that even we, that I as a 12-year-old, could do something. That is Dr. Freeman Rabowski, a renowned higher education leader who is about to retire after 30 incredibly transformative years as president of UMBC, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. He was reflecting on how profoundly his own life was transformed when he was just a 12-year-old child in Birmingham, Alabama, and was inspired to join the civil rights movement as he watched and listened to the powerful words of the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Welcome to AKA Innovation, a podcast on transformative change and education. I'm your host, Anne Kadimian. In each edition of AKA Innovation, I will be talking with leaders and innovators whose bold ideas and actions have led to transformative change within their industries or throughout the world. What we will do here is take those bold ideas, those innovations, those transformations, and use them as a lens to look at education, to look for the insights, the ideas, the innovations that we can apply to stimulate and promote and advance change for good for equity in education, in the educational ecosystem. For this first conversation in our series, my guest was indeed Freeman Rabowski, who joined me for an onstage conversation in March of 2022 as part of a farewell tribute that my institution, the universities at Shady Grove, hosted to honor this trailblazer in higher education and in the area of diversity equity, and inclusion. What stands out for me from the career of this remarkable leader is his embrace of a data-driven approach decades before all of us were even considering that term or the use of data. He used a data-driven approach to inform student success, to empower the university to ask honest questions about how we are serving students, about su student success, about student progress, across demographics, across all students, and has been remarkably successful in using that approach to advance success not only among minority students, but across all students in STEM. Not only has that approach transformed his own university, UMBC, it has had a transformative impact on all higher education institutions. For the purpose of this podcast, we selected excerpts to share from my on-stage conversation with Freeman Rabowski to give you insight into his leadership philosophy and what he believes drives success. One of his often repeated phrases that was a theme of that evening and throughout his farewell tour this whole year has been the words, success is never final. I hope you will enjoy the following discussion with my first guest on the AKA Innovation Podcast, UMBC President Freeman Rabowski. But I want to start with your broad leadership philosophy. Okay. And, you know, the term the, term the empowered university, yes. the title of your book that you've written with colleagues, colleagues. At, mm -hmm. at UMBC, mm -hmm. and the term 
uh, inclusive excellence, yes. student success, the soul of the university, yeah. right? These terms are all used, yes. they all represent aspects of your philosophy of how you approach what you do. Yeah. Tell us about the empowered university. Where does that yes. term come from? Sure. What animates that term? Sure, I, I go back to my childhood. It was in that period in 1963 at uh, the Children's March and right before it when uh, sitting in church and this minister is there and I don't want to be there I've told this story so many times. I'm doing, my parents are placating me with the one thing I enjoyed, and that was doing math. So I'm 12, and I'm doing my little algebra. And all of a sudden, this minister says, if the children participate in this peaceful protest, all of America will understand that even our young people know the difference between right and wrong, and they want a better education. We had some wonderful black teachers in these all-black schools, but not the resources. And we were so tired of the hand-me-down books from the white schools. It was so debilitating. And I'll never forget, Dr. King said, tomorrow can be better than today, but it will take you to make it that way. He was empowering the children to believe that even we, that I as a 12-year-old, could do something in the spirit of the Rose civic disobedience, civil disobedience, to make a difference. And that was empowering. And so when people ask me what the book, when Peter Henderson and Philip Rouse and I wrote this book, what does that mean? It's empowered to look in the mirror itself first, as a society, as a university, as an educator, and to say, what, what do we do well? What do we do well, and where are we lacking? Where do we need to improve? We can always improve, right? And the key here is that I think about our University System of Maryland with members of the board who are here, people from the system who are here. We as a system, and I'm so proud to say this, look in the mirror at self. And it's a Jay Perman who can say, yes, I'm a physician and I was the president of University of Maryland Baltimore and I care about the little children of Baltimore. That we as a system have to care as much about pre-K through 12 as we do about what happens in college and grad school. Very big round of applause for pre-K all the way back. And so the notion, when I think about the research that we do in the social sciences, humanities, and it has everything to do with the human condition, it seems to me, and being empowered to say, we will be honest about the problems, academic achievement gap, health disparities, economic challenges, and we want to find ways of doing two things. One, Focusing on the ideas that can help change policies and shift our thinking about some of that, but also building the workforce, which is where I especially come to USG. Absolutely. Absolutely, that we know we want to build a workforce based on affordability, accountability, access, and success. I love your new plan, which talks not just about getting people in here, not just about their graduating, but did they get a job and were they well prepared? Yeah. Uh, that's why I love the biotech program that Anika runs, for example. It's very important. The psychology program, the industrial psychology program, or the social work program, people getting jobs. That we, we and several of you have talked about the need for many more social workers in your county and needing those programs here. You know, so in all those areas to the technology areas. And that's being empowered to look in the mirror and hear the problems, and this is what we can do to begin solving them. That's the idea. So I want to come back to that point about, about workforce yes, as well. Yes. But I've heard you tell a story about being a student in a math class. Yes. yes. And the professor writing away on yeah, the chalkboard, yeah. and you raised your hand yeah. and said, 
I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And the professor being a little bit irritated yeah, with you, yeah, yeah. and the class saying like, oh, what do you mean? What yeah, do you, you know? Yeah. And then when the test came around, yeah. you got the A minus, yeah, and everyone yeah. else got the C's, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, when you talk about the honesty, yeah, right? Yeah. The honesty that's required to be empowered, right? It's, yep. it's really the courage to ask these hard questions, yes. isn't it? Yes. To say, I don't know. Yep. I need to find yep. out. Can you talk more about sure. that? Sure. This, this is, I think, one of our challenges as institutions, yes. as people, yes. to say we don't know. Yes. We're not sure. Yes. And I, I think that's the key to some of this empowerment. I appreciate that. Let, let me tell you a funny story first. Very quickly, as a pre-freshman at Hampton, my beloved Hampton, I just knew I was the smartest kid in the class. And the first <laughs> test scores came back. And she went up through all the A's. And the first one, my name, second. By the time I got to the eighth name, I had tears coming out of my face, realizing I'm far from the smartest kid. And then all of a sudden, um, they said, well, it was only one 100. And the teacher said, Coleman, you can come get your paper. And all of a sudden, this kid gets up, this young lady. We called them girls and boys in those days. And, and this girl gets up, and she's so humble. And I'm so upset. She got 100, and I barely, I got an A minus minus. And I said to the class, I'm going to marry her one day. <laughs> and guess what? I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. And we've been married 51 years. <laughs> Jackie knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, that's the true story. So I always tell people, if you can't, if you can't beat them, marry them somehow. I always say that way, man. Either way. <laughs> Hope that's not politically incorrect. But the other, the other side of the story, though, is that in grad school, at Illinois, I was the only little black kid there. And I was younger than everybody else. And they were all men, no women, no women faculty tenure track. There was only one woman on the 100-person faculty in math. And she was not tenured, not tenure track, PhD, and who was very supportive of me. But I'm in the class with all guys, all white guys. And they will not ask for help. And the, and the guy would go from and proofs in algebraic topology. He'd go from step one to step five to step 10. And, I'm, and I would, coming from a liberal arts college, I'd say, well, how'd you get those others? And he'd look at me and go, isn't it obvious? And I'd want to say, sucker, if it was obvious, I wouldn't ask you that question. <laughs> but I can't say that. And I'm scared in the class. First time I've been in class with white kids. And the guys are smirking at me. But I'd go to the professor and just say, I'm sorry. I don't get it. I don't get it. And he would work with me, a little annoyed, but he'd work with me. And we got the papers back. And all these kids, these guys, they were older than I was. They, was, they got, in grad school, C is not, they did not pass. I'm, not, I'm, I'm nosy. I'm looking, I'm Southern. I'm looking at that school, <laughs> right? And they were getting C's, and I got an A minus. I held my paper, but I said, I guess it was obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, the larger point, the serious point, is that we have to know how to ask for help, to teach our students to ask for help, our colleagues to get support as they're going through tenure and all of that. And then universities, we're talking in system all the time about how we can help each other. There's no doubt that the medical school of our system helped us all out. The fact that uh, the chancellor was a physician during COVID. But we were getting best practice from them and then from other experts on our campuses around the system who were experts. But if we hadn't asked for help, we couldn't have made it through this period. And that, to your point, empowered to be honest mm -hmm. with ourselves. To be honest, we know that poor children of all races still need much more support than we give as a society, right? We've got to be honest about those things. If we, we were talking today about reading skills, like if we know this, we know that so many poor children of all races do not read well. And if you want a child to solve mad word problems, she must first be taught to read and think. Because word problems, chemistry, physics, engineering are based on word problems. You've got to be able to read.
So at the base of it all, we'll be reading and thinking. You like statistics. Yeah. You like data. Yeah. Um, I read recently the University Innovation Alliance, yes. right? A consortium dedicated to student success. Yes. Right, there's a quote in there about UMBC uh -huh. that 87% of the graduates from UMBC yeah, yeah. go right into a job, yes. go to graduate school, yes. right? Onto, that's remarkable. That is remarkable. And that is a goal that we have set out here yes. at USG as well. We want to work with all of our partners to see that students not only complete their degrees, right. but right. they enter into meaningful careers as well. Yes. Tell us about that challenge. That's, that's a remarkable statistic. Sure. How, how have you accomplished that? Sure. First of all, you, you have two groups. You have those who are going directly to grad school, Meyerhoff's, Linhan Artists, and others. And that's about 40% of our students go immediately to grad school. Now, some will work and go to grad school tonight. Many go directly on to grad school. But, uh, and then you've got this other large percentage. And it's because of internships, the things we're working on here at USG, the partnerships we have with the different companies, with the different agencies, with social services, getting people involved in internships much sooner. Mm -hmm. Get, getting them thinking that way, it makes a big difference. And the other thing I would say is that listening to the advice of prospective employers to make, because you talk in your plan about not only getting them jobs, but making sure they're career ready, making sure they have the skills they need. Shirley knows this, Kevin knows this, and, and thank you all for emceeing over there and everything. The, uh, the fact is that, that if you think about it, um, we want to know that students can speak well, write well, think critically, work with other people, understand intercultural communication. These are the things you're teaching here that we teach at UMBC on the other campus. I'll call it the Cadenceville campus, and this is Shady Grove campus. Wait a minute. There's something about that main campus I don't care about. We'll just call them. <laughs> but what I would say to you is that what's really important is that for us, we want the product to be of high quality. Because when the product is of high quality, employees come at you. They want, we want more. We want more of these people. And this is what we love about UBC. You're making, so always remember, because sometimes our name, we're still just 50 some years old. Some people will sometimes call us not quite the name. I was honored when they call us University of Maryland, Baltimore. We love University of Maryland, but we're University of Maryland, Baltimore County. If you want to remember it, you must be clever. Did you get that? <laughs> you must be clever. Right. <laughs> Got to have these ways of getting this, this new name in the, in the minds of people, right? But USG. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really appreciate that. And I would say, and I'm hearing this from Anika and other people, as our students get jobs and they're doing well in these different fields, um, what it means is people want more of them, whether it's in industrial psychology or in history or in the tech areas. And we want to keep building those numbers. We want those numbers to grow yeah. a lot. Yeah. Okay? Because let me just say this. Let me, the more we grow, the more the legislature loves us. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. It's just true. I mean, when you can show that you are an equal economic powerhouse and you're producing first-rate graduates yeah. who can feed this economy, people say, give them the money they need. Yeah. And by the way, and, and, and let me just say, and I know Jay would want me to say this, elected officials are being very supportive of higher education. Would you give them a round of applause? <laughs> Jay will give me a bonus later. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> fortunate yeah, yeah. in this state we, for, uh, the, for the political support yeah, for higher yeah, education. It's amazing yeah, for yeah. all education. Sure. It's remarkable. Sure. In the K through 12 and what we see. And, and people look at this college, Montgomery College and Montgomery County Public Schools, as a standard. Mm -hmm. People want to know what you are, not just from this state, 
But when I'm in other states and I talk about you, people want to know more about how you're doing what you're doing, right? And we talk about the dynamics of all these things. Very much so. So one of our um, uh, wonderful employers here in the, in the county, mm -hmm. Jeff Galvin, who heads up American Gene Technologies, mm -hmm. he has referred to graduates coming out of Shady Grove yes. as intellectual decathletes. I love it. And I, I said, it. like, wow, that's, a, that's quite that's a term. He said, no, you know, he said they come with this amazing, full, multidisciplinary education from yes. Montgomery College. Yes. They get the two years here as well as yes. um, at Shady Grove, yes. and they're ready to hit the ground running yes. because they are career ready. Yes. And I will call out TLST as, uh, in, in that effort as well. I love it. That's excellent. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So, so there is that, you know, I think you're right. The students yeah. coming here, they, they're driven, they're motivated. Yes. Um, but I also think this, this, I, this focus on multidisciplinarity, yes. right? Exposure yes. to the arts as well as the sciences. Yes. They get that experience at Montgomery College. Yes. They get that experience in MCPS. Yes. They get that experience here at Shady Grove as well. We have yes. nine university partners. Yes. You know, they're interacting with students sure. from other campuses sure. all the time. Sure. You've been a real champion of this multidisciplinarity. Yes. I've, as a fellow in yes. the National Academy of Public yeah. Administration, yeah. I've heard you talk about the importance yes. of the policy side yes. as well as the scientific side. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how you see these, this view of multiple disciplines sure. coming together to solve problems. Multiple disciplines and multiple campuses. Yeah. Uh, there is a sea change that those of us who've been around a long time would know that, that the universities appreciate the important role that USG plays now far more than ever because we see people coming out of these this, this institution and the different campuses from you. And what's significant about that is that, again, as the employers talk about it, it makes a difference. But your, your fundamental question is one that I think about a lot. We tend to think that you're going to solve a problem by students think you have one major and you solve the problem. Well, even within one major, you see more interdisciplinarity. Within the, you, and I'm looking at psychology and thinking about how they use this other social sciences from statistics to what they do when thinking about the life sciences there. You know, we've got people who are on both sides, those who may be in the life sciences area with psychology, those who are on the other side, quantitative and qualitative evaluation. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's true in every area, mm -hmm. that when you think about biotech, you're talking about coming from a number of disciplines, and that's true across disciplines. We have to teach students that just learning one course of study is not enough. That's why the broad education it's really important, but we, I mean, just perfect example, data science right now, at the intersection, you see, of com computation and statistics. With that social science grounding, students are learning how you use computing and statistical measurement com combined with uh, all the social science problems we're facing. Yeah. So we will be solving problems more and more in that multidisciplinary fashion. Yeah. And the more we can do to give students that background, the better off we are, very much so. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I know we are pushing the limits of our time, and so I'm going to wrap up with yes. one last question. Yes. A recent poll of university presidents yes. in inside higher education noted some confidence among presidents for the fiscal situation coming out of COVID, coming out of the pandemic. But one part of that poll really caught my attention, yes. and that was a kind of, um, you know, a little bit upset, a little bit worried about the fact that the public still doesn't fully appreciate right. the value of education, yeah. the value of higher education. Sure. And there was a little bit of anxiety about that in yeah. the poll. Right. Where do you see the future of higher education sure. going? Uh, we know you're not leaving. We know you're going to still be deeply involved in a lot of this work ahead. Yes. yes. 
Where do we need to put our energy? Sure. Where, what are the, what are the, I know we have many challenges we'll continue to yeah. work on, yeah. but as we go forward, what's the message for all of us? Where do we focus sure. and put our energy to address this challenge and yes. to really make education available there? Yeah, I challenge each person in here, whether you are an elected official, an educator, a student, to become an ambassador for higher education, an ambassador. I don't know a family that's been fortunate to educate one or two of its kids who didn't want the others to get higher education. Two-year degrees, four-year degrees, post-secondary education, post-second jobs for the future talks about that. Four-year college is not for everybody. Let me be honest about that. A lot of people want something else first. They may want a certificate program. They may want an AA. You've got plenty of jobs, but post-secondary opportunities with a continuum, with more and more getting that first and wanting to go on and get more. But think about it, when we say, oh, people don't have confidence, we don't know people who get educated who don't want their kids to get educated or their spouses to become educated. We know the value, not just in terms of getting a job, but in terms of being a good thinker, in terms of being able to separate what is truth from what may be on the other side of truth, right? And to have that balance to be able to understand how we learn how to listen to different perspectives and to work towards the common ground, but to, to make sure what we are following is the truth. I mean, of all the things I can say about higher education, it is that we know evidence matters. Experts matter. And so we must all be the people to speak that truth. But we have to do it in a way that does not sound condescending. People often think of scientists or mathematicians or people college educated is thinking they're better than other people. Only a third of Americans today have a four-year degree, and another certain percentage would have two years. But still, you're talking about under half of American population. So most people in America, most families have never had someone graduate. And as a result, they may not trust. It's up to us to speak the language of just being a decent human being and to let people know you can do this. This is what I love about USG when you talk about access, affordability, success, mm -hmm. and a job. Mm -hmm. You know, we must all speak that language to respect people who've not been as blessed as we are. I will tell you this, I've been in this state now 45 years, 35 at UMBC, the first 10 at Coppin in the inner city, and 30 as president. I cannot imagine being in another state that is more supportive of education, K through 12. And we are more blessed than we realize. And in these times, with so much going awry in the world right now, we need more educated people to understand these issues, to understand what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, the global part, that we are connected, connected. We only get that through education, you know? And that is, so when we're doing this retrieval gratefulness tour right now, and people say they've been grateful to me, I am grateful to this state that took a 26-year-old uh, kid. Uh, and from, inner, from Birmingham, and gave me a chance to understand what it means to serve humanity. I am truly grateful to all of you. Thank you very much. Before we close, I want to share one other fun moment from that stage conversation with Freeman. More than a great leader, the man is an extraordinary motivational speaker, and yes, when needed, a fantastic cheerleader. We wrapped up our discussion that night 
he wouldn't let the event end without bringing everyone together and to their feet with another of his favorite reminders and inspirational phrases. Thanks for listening and joining the AKA Innovation Community. And one last time, I give you Freeman Rabowski. So you've got to do what my students do with me, and you've got to repeat this. They always want me to do this. Repeat after me. Thoughts. Thoughts. Words. Words. Actions. Actions. Habits. Habits. Character. Character. Destiny. Destiny. Again, thoughts. Thoughts. Words. Words. Actions. Actions. Habits. Habits. Character. Character. Destiny. Destiny. Here's your test. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. You see, some knew it, some didn't. <laughs> the message is, psychologists, to be mindful. You've got to be mindful in what you do. You can't just do it. Elliot appreciates this. You've got, you got to think about it. So we're going to do it one more time, and then I'm going to give you the test. Thoughts. Thoughts. Words. Words. Actions. Actions. Habits. Habits. Character. Character. Destiny. Destiny. Okay, here we go. Watch your thoughts. They become your... Words. Watch your words. They become your... Actions. Watch your actions. They become your... Habits. Watch your habits. They become your... Character. Watch your character. It becomes your... Destiny. Now you've got to do it like it's a basketball game. Like you really mean... <laughs> Like when we won, when we beat Yale this year in Mark Trial. Big round of applause when we beat Yale. Okay. And I'm not going to say it loud because I'm not going to lose my voice again tonight. But I want you to say it loud. Thoughts, Thoughts. words, words. actions, actions. Habits. habits, character, character. Destiny. destiny. Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your habits. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Your habits, they become your character. Your character becomes your destiny. Great, right,